ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Saying, 
and you believe it. But when we've been expounding this information to you for the longest time, oh, you're being hard. This is not hard to figure out. It's really not, man. Okay, it doesn't matter the level of points that you think that you're going to put up because your shot's not going to go every night. These guys look disengaged, and that's great. You beat the number one team in the NBA in the Utah Jazz. That's fantastic. But you and I also both know that you will play a team that is technically less than. The Bulls looked more cohesively than what the Pelicans did. We know Miami, even when they're out of sync, they just tougher. They just have a different attitude and a mindset. And okay? we're talking about a Miami team that the previous game scored 80 points. 80 points. Okay. So, yeah, Jimmy Butler was back on the floor, but Bam Adebayo's gone. Mm-hmm. Miami's not a team with a whole bunch of guys who can take you off the dribble. Right. That's not who they are. You got two guys that can drive primarily. Goran Dragic and Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, that's it. Tyler Harrow's not really a driver. He can get a little bit, but he's not really the guy who's going to break you down. We saw that in the finals. They are one or two dribbles getting my shot up at best. That's what they they do. What do they do? They move without the ball. Move without the ball. Without the ball. And they know who they are and what they do best in the overall confines and construct of their team. But here's the one thing every guy on that team does. They defend. They rebound. They do the dirty work that nobody else wants to do because they have a leader in Jimmy Butler that they have all bought into saying, guys, when our shots are not dropping, it doesn't matter. Do you know why? Because we are a better defensive team than what your offensive team is. We can con- we can get your team frustrated because they can't get what they want. And that's what Miami does. Miami makes you uncomfortable with everything you do. They know who they are, their identity. This Pelicans basketball team, still, you have no leadership. You None. have no tough guys. None. You have guys on this team, like, for instance, a Steven Adams, who has regressed. Because he is in a situation in a team that is nothing but regression, nothing but losers. They have a losing culture. It's what you are. You don't know what it takes to win. The construct of how this team has been put together, that's great. You could have in any sport there is, whether it be football, you could have 11 talented individuals. But if those 11 guys don't understand how they need to be connected, you got nothing but 11 guys filled with talent that lose. And, That's all and, you got. And people take the, the human element out of this far too often. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can look at somebody's individual skills and stats, and you can drop them in and say, well, this, this should work. This guy does this. This should work with this guy. That's not how teams work. Right. It's not how teams work. Because I have been on teams that look like, and I have watched teams that look like they shouldn't fit. Like we say, look at these guys, that, that roster shouldn't fit. But all of those guys are committed to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And if you have that, you need talent. Nobody is discounting that. You must have. You must have talent. Yes. You must have high-end talent. 
Yes. But the Pelicans don't have that problem. They've got high-end talent. They've got high-end talent. You're talking about a team that's sitting there with six lottery picks, right? Mm -hmm. Including the number one overall pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. So you have guys who supposedly, and and look, I believe in in the talent of these guys. You know, right. You know, say I don't have. If somebody wants to come in and reevaluate them, I'd evaluate them and say, yes, talent, 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 talent. They've got hell of skill sets individually. Individually, hell of skill sets. Yes. But I have written this and I've said it. This is a team that is less than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. You, you, like you said, and and and, and I'm a, let's revisit those Kenny Smith things real quick because they were very explicit, and these are things that we have hit on. Over and over again. Number one, the defense is consistently behind on rotations. Always lips away. Always lips. The hand they, and they don't approach with hands up. They don't anticipate what's happening next. They literally are either in the moment or chasing what has already transpired. They are never aware ahead of. And that's ever. what film is about. That's what film is. That's why you go to film session to understand tendencies, to understand where guys like to catch the ball on the floor, to understand what their strong hand is, what their weak hand is, what their move is, what their counter is. And the Pelicans play every game as if they have not watched a lick of film. Clueless on everything. And don't know who's checking in or checking out. They will play the same no matter who is on the floor. You see it a lot significantly in pick and roll situations. And you and I touched upon this and I have to say this. I don't know where this narrative keeps coming in that Lonzo Ball is a great defender. He is not. I can't tell you how many times in pick and roll situations Lonzo lays on the pick or he doesn't fight over the pick to get back and get in front of the man. Matter of fact, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. What game was it? I want to say the Portland game. I want to say not, it was Portland. That's my, my okay. biggest criticism. I agree with you. My biggest criticism of okay. his defense is, is that he is not physical at the, on the ball. He does not let me say pressure, this. and he doesn't fight through screens. Both of those things. Here's the thing. Dave, here's the thing. Dame Lillard, in end-of-game situation, everybody in the league knew that ball was going to be in Dame Lillard's hand. There was no question about this. Not the first time where Dame Lillard pulls up for the mid-range shot, but the next play down, literally the next play down, Hernan Gomez comes out and jumps on Dame Lillard. Instead of Lonzo running past Hernan Gomez, and getting back in front of Dame Lillard, he continues to chase Dame Lillard. And Dame gets to the cup with no resistance whatsoever. So you're putting that on Hernan Gomez to stop Damian Lillard, which is impossible in the front. Your responsibility is to get over and make Hernan... They are clueless. And and, And mind you, I really am not... I'm not a negative individual. You know that. I'm not a negative Nancy. I'm not a wet blanket. But I also know this game well enough to understand that if Damian Lillard is my guy, 
It's my responsibility to get back over and get in front of him because we know Dame Lillard is going to be the one that makes the decision of whether he shoots the ball or whether he makes that right pass of somebody else cutting to the rim. And so during that game, you can't you can allow Dame to get 30. That can that 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 can happen. He's a superstar, an Mm -hmm. elite scorer, you know, one of the best players in this league. He can get 30. But you can't allow the man to get 30 plus points and 15 plus assists. You got you can't let him be a distributor and a scorer at that level. That means you have failed completely because you're still talking about a team that didn't have CJ McCollum. And at that point also we're struggling offensively. You know, there and the Pelicans have played a number of teams that have been personnel-wise short starters and still given up. 120 plus points to those teams allowed them to shoot 50 plus percent from the floor, 40 plus percent from the field guys having career nights when Kobe white looks like Kobe Bryant, you know what I'm saying? As far as his scoring goes, mm-hmm. that, those things have nothing to do with scheme and people keep want to go and say, well, you got to fire the coaches because they don't know what they're doing on defense. This is a pick and roll league. There are only so many things you can do against the pick and roll. The coaches have taught them what to do against the pick and roll. The commitment is whether or not you are going to do it. Do you take your matchup personally? Do you have the heart? Do you have the heart? Whether it's, and I'm going to say, look, let's be frank. There is not a single player outside of maybe Josh Hart who takes his job personally and his opponent personally each night. Not B.I., not even Zion yet. I don't, know, I don't know if he will in the future. He's only in his second year, so I'm not going to give the man too hard a pass, too hard a grade, but you don't see that, that thing of you will not score on me. You will not score on us. We're not. When was the last time you saw a Pelicans player give a hard foul on the way to the basket? Uh... Yeah. Uh-huh. Bump a cutter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh the last time uh was when Rajon Rondo was in New Orleans playing for the Pelicans. But we know that's Rajon's personality. Dave, let's I'm gonna cut through right through the chase on this yep. shit. It starts at the top. Yes. The Pelicans are a poorly ran organization. They don't breed fire. They don't breed accountability. And I'm sorry. I'm just calling it as it is. There's a certain culture. Dave, explain to me, okay? And if if I'm wrong, that's fine. I'll take my lick. But you have a franchise, for instance, like, let's go with Memphis, okay? who at one time, if you recall, Memphis and New Orleans were supposed to be equal. Mm-hmm. They're right at the same tier. They're nowhere near that because of the way they do things, the way they run things. Denver has surpassed us. Dallas has surpassed us. Golden State, even without Clay and KD, they've all surpassed us. You what do you see guys. on every one of those rosters? Dudes with heart. In Memphis, you got John Morant, who's going to compete every night. Brandon Clark every is going to compete every night. They're playing without Jaron Jackson for most of the, the first part of the season. He's been hurt. 
and they're still at 500 and they're still at it, but their defense is what has been making them competitive. They're not a great offensive team right now. They have a bunch of really slow guys offensively around John Morant. You know what I'm saying? Like Kyle Anderson ain't quick. We ain't talking mm-hmm. about a lot. You know, Grayson Allen ain't quick. We ain't talking about merchants of speed here. No. But what do they do together? They defend together, and you see on a nightly basis. You go down this thing from the Jazz to the Suns, which, again, you take a look at the Suns, same type of position as the Pelicans, right? DeAndre hey. was the number, what, number two pick in, number number one two pick in the draft? Number two pick in the draft. Bruh. So you get DeAndre Ayton. You're talking about a, a Booker who was a guy very similar in situation basically to Brandon Ingram. You know, a come on the last couple of years, and now you're getting respect as a scorer and all these things. Front court of guys who were cast off from a lot of hey, other bro. Speaking of Phoenix, let's not forget this. Devin Booker was ready to leave Phoenix up until CP3 this season. You know, you always hear this narrative, well, you know, the players got to get accustomed to each other. They got to get to know each other. Well, just so you know, the Phoenix Suns are 24 and 11, and this is after what Phoenix did in the bubble last year. And you remember, you and I specifically said last year, Monty Williams' job for the 2021 season became that much easier because everybody is going to buy in because of what they did in that bubble. And then you bring in a CP3 who everybody knows is a leader, who everybody knows is going to put your team in positions to be successful and win. Now, all of a sudden, you are number two in the Western Conference going into the All-Star break. I am so sick of the narrative because here's what this narrative tells me about, well, you got to give it time to gel. You got to give it time to gel. You know who thinks that way? Losers. Losers. Losers think that way. Give it time. Winners coming with this mindset of we are going to win and kick ass now. And let's talk. Okay, let's let's be let's make specific comparisons here because Phoenix is a great example. Because what did what uh, J, um, Jason Jones has been um, the GM there for what three years? Three three four seasons. Yeah, three seasons. And in that time. He drafted Mikael Bridges, Devin, I mean, not Devin Booker, who was already there. Um, But he got uh, Mikael Bridges, Aiton, and Cam Johnson. Those are Mm -hmm. just three draft picks. Mm -hmm. But what did he put around these guys? Professionals. Professionals. Jay Crowder, he ain't an all-star. Professional. Langston Galloway. Langston Galloway. Pro. Jay Crowder has been winning. Jay Crowder has been in winning organizations, winning constructs, know what it takes. Go ahead. Etwan Moore, professional. For, say what you want about his, but you know he can shoot and you know he ain't going to be a problem. He's a pro. Mm-hmm. He's going to mm-hmm. show up every day and do his job. Mm-hmm. Campaign. That, that dude has been a journeyman. But what is campaign? The reason he keeps staying around the league is because that dude is a good locker room guy. And now his game is starting to, to get much better. To match up with that, yes. But he's yes. always been – Javon Carter, that's a backup. That's not a star. But he's playing his role, and he's a pro. Dario Saric, a guy that we thought had all-star potential when he got drafted. Remember when Philly drafted Dario Saric, it was supposed to be, this dude is a cornerstone. They're going to stash him for a year. You bring him in, and it's going to be Simmons and Bede and Saric. Remember that? 
Sarge is a solid player. Not a solid player. Kid, not spectacular. Solid. Right. A pro. A right. pro. So, and then you add on top of that Chris Paul, who at 36 years old <laughs> and has no knees, but is transformational as a as a leader and as a winner. You can say Chris Paul ain't never been to finals, but you ain't gonna call Chris Paul a loser. You you he may not have been to the finals, but he has always been the catalyst for improving teams and getting you there. He's a winner. And take that back last year to Oklahoma City, a team that everybody thought was was in tank mode. Yep. And let's talk where there's stars on that Oklahoma City team. Dort. Lou Dort. Is that a star? He's becoming a very good player, but is Lou Dort. Last year, was Lou Dort a star? Far from it. He just. Danilo Gallinari is a solid player, but is he a star? He's a pro. He's a pro. Jay Gilgis Alexander was in his second year, right? Was being taught. Chris was teaching him what it is to be a pro. And you also had a guy in um, Dennis Schroeder who had been moved around, had not lived up to expectations. And then all of a sudden, they're the best defense in the, the NBA. Nerland's Noel. Guys no, uh, who have uh, just been journeymen. 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 <laughs> and but what do you but you had a structure where Chris Paul said, We ain't we ain't losing under my watch. It wasn't pretty. Oh right. said it wasn't pretty. It wasn't entertaining at t- most of the time. But what did they do? They won. They won their way into the playoffs in one year with Chris Paul. One and now Phoenix again is putting themselves in position to be a top four team in the West. So don't tell me this stuff where you got to wait four and five years because the teams that say that never get there. Orlando never. has been waiting four and five years for ten years now, for fifteen years since Dwight Howard left. Orlando been waiting. Teams and players who say that are and 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 me and my lady talk about this all the time you're putting things out into the universe of who you are. If you are already putting this out into the universe, you're basically saying we're going to be losing for a while because that's what we do, because that's what we think it takes to build a winner. No, it does not. No, it does not. Losing does not beget winning. No. Winning is not a byproduct, just as you said, of losing. It's not, it's not the way it works. You want to win right now. And even the mindset of Pelican fans, you hear it. And it's nauseating to me a lot of times. Well, you know, you got to give them time. You're a loser. You're a loser. Because nobody who is a winner and who is engaged thinks that way. And I'm sorry. Yes, I'm calling you out. You think that way. You think as you are. If you believe you're a winner, you're going to play a certain way. You're going to carry yourself a certain way. And you're going to see it in people's. We talk about this all the time, babe. We're going to see it in your body language. It's apparent. All right. Same situation here. With the level of talent that the Pelicans basketball team has. And you are still in this situation that you have been in. That tells you it is bigger than what you want to believe what is happening. This is what is happening. Whether you like it or not, this is what it is. It's plain and simple. If you do not play defense, 
If you are not engaged, you don't even see a level of enthusiasm from this basketball team. You didn't see it in the bubble. The same way the bubble carried over for the Phoenix Suns and Monty this season, the way the Pelicans played in the bubble last season has carried over into this season, and you've got Zion there playing now. I thought Stan Van Gundy and his coaching staff did a fantastic job of putting the ball in Zion's hands and letting him create and be a playmaker. But now here's what you have. Guys standing around watching him now. You have guys who are waiting for him to do something instead of common sense says, you see two guys going at Zion to get the ball out of his hands. Move! Move! Stop standing there! Move! For the love of God! How many Move. sets offensively? And this has not, again, when people think we want to put it on the coaches first, I've never seen a coach write up a play where four guys end up on one side of the court. Never. I've never seen it. I've in never seen it in my basketball. life. Nobody has, has, has made that play where four guys end up on one side of the court and two of them are within five feet of each other. And it was told to those four guys, don't move, just stand there. Like you're a mannequin, don't move at all. And we've seen in, in late game situations, these dudes play hot potato with the basketball because nobody wants to be accountable for missing or taking a shot. Winners, again, winners are not afraid to miss. Winners are not afraid of the moment. They embrace the moment. They want the ball in the moment. And winning teams, when you have a freakish athlete, a ball player who's ascending, and, and everybody wants to do this you know, thing with Zion and be like, look how many 30-point games. And I'm like, you got all these 30-point games, he ain't got no 40s. And you know why he ain't got no 40s? Because his own team. His own team is keeping that man from scoring 40 because he goes too long and too many stretches where they don't give him the basketball. And let me say it and put it out there right now. I'm letting it be known in advance. Zion will not be in New Orleans long. I'm telling you right now. The kid, the young, I don't want to say kid. The young man does not want to lose. And this is the culture that is being bred over there on Airline Drive. I'm sorry. When it's what look, it is. Yeah, because if you look and you're Zion Williamson, or if you're anybody who's watching this, who's watching this team play, and, and the fans say it too, if you see the way Eric Bledsoe plays every night, half-assed, mm -hmm. disinterested, mm -hmm. it's clear he don't want to be here. Yep. And you got Kyra Lewis Jr. sitting on that sideline who wants to be on that floor, mm -hmm. who will dive, who will drive, who will at least pressure. If you tell that boy, young, excuse me, young man, I hate doing this, but we, we're old and this is what we do. Right. When you that young man, if I tell him, pressure the ball 94 feet, pressure the ball 94 feet, that's your job on defense. Press, you stay with that guy. Don't leave him. Pressure that ball 94 feet. He will do it. I guarantee you, he'll do it. You can see who loves the game of basketball and you can see who's disengaged with being on that team, on that court, and in that organization. Every night. And Every whether night. people want to accept it or not, the car salesman that is Griff has to be held accountable. I'm sorry. He has to be held accountable. For two years I now. I feel like it's a snow job. It's always a snow job. For two years now, you've been promised competitive rosters. And for two years, he's given you incomplete rosters. Because Stop when you have blowing to put, smoke. 
Oh, you have to put Nicola Melli on the floor, and that dude hasn't hit a shot in two weeks. And you have and and look, Stan, people talk about Stan Van Gundy's rotations. He's looking at that. This is not on him because it is clear from Griff's comments that he made that he is determining playing time. Because when he says this guy's got to earn time and this guy needs to earn time and we're not playing guy, we're not giving away time. You absolutely are giving away time because you are when Eric Bledsoe is playing 41 minutes in a game, you are giving away time to someone who has not earned it. You are giving away minutes to guys who have not earned it. And so if, if that's the case, then that everybody in the locker room knows who should be on the floor and who should not. Everybody on in the locker room knows who came to compete and who didn't. They all know. And the same way, the same way we all knew in the bubble that there was more to the Zion story than what was being told. The same way we knew guys didn't want to be there. The same, it is a, with both of us having played this game at a high level, coaching at a high level, being in locker rooms, we know what players look like when they're engaged, when they're disengaged, when they don't want to be here, when they don't like their teammates. We know what it is. This is not some, some shit that we're just making up. This is not. We have seen it up close and personal. We can hear it in the conversations and based upon the questions that are being asked and the answers that they come back with. When we walk into certain locker rooms, when we were able to walk into locker rooms, we could tell if there was friction from a player on that side of the locker room and on that side of the locker room without anything having been spoken. We know. And that is what reveals itself on the court. No question. Zion Williamson is a talented, unbelievable generational young brother. Okay. But you can also tell, and I guarantee you, he would embrace it if he was coached harder to be a better player. He is a guy, based upon who his mom is and who his dad is, you can see even when he, the way he carries himself on the floor, he never engages with the officials, he takes it as it comes, he goes along with the flow of it, and he could be more dominant and more aggressive. But you're right, and you alluded to it before. His teammates does not help him at all. The young man is going to get frustrated. For as loyal as you can be to an organization, losing will make you leave when your organization is not putting the team together the right way. The kid is, the young man is not going to be there long. He's not. The dude wants to win. He knows he's marquee. Okay, he's not on ESPN. And think about how many games the Pelicans have been on television. Everybody and their mother wants to see Zion. And granted, they're enamored with his offensive ability. But even as a, even as a league, you're going to get tired of putting on a team that does nothing but lose. Mm -hmm. That's not working. And we talk about a team that started five and two and has been 10 and 19 since. So essentially, they've been a 30%. 33% team over the last 30 games. They win one out of every three games. They have one four-game win streak, zero three-game win streaks, and a few back-to-back -back wins here and there. That tells you 
when you cannot sustain winning, even the Sacramento Kings had a seven game win streak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they ain't put a game behind the Pelicans. Yeah, no, that's what I was getting ready to so, say. There so for all game. the chaos in in that for that locker room with the Kings, <laughs> all that chaos. One game. One game behind. For the Rockets and all the chaos in Houston, the injuries in Houston. Three games. Three games back. Three games back. <laughs> the Pelicans are three games ahead of last year. And people can say, well, no, look, that's that's great. That's all you can ask for is for them to be. At this point last year, Losers. Zion hadn't touched the floor. Losers. At this point last year, Derek, Derek Favors had missed more than 10 games. Lonzo had missed eight. Josh Hart had missed about five or six. You didn't. You never were healthy for the first half of last season. They got healthy, and that's when they started playing better basketball. When Zion came back, and the rest of the guys were healthy, then all of a sudden they started. So you took this healthy group from last year, essentially. You're saying you're saying I, you're up. Everybody says Adams upgrade over Favors, and you take a downgrade, quite literally, with Bledsoe from ho- to Holiday. Holiday to Bledsoe. Yes. But the rest of your lineup is the same. It's Lonzo, Ingram, Zion. And these two new guys. Starting lineup hadn't been a problem. Played more minutes than, than most starting lineups in this league this year. Mm-hmm. And you're three games better than you were last year. And that's including last year's 13-game losing streak. So all of last year's team had to be was slightly healthier. And you'd say in those 13, they could have picked up three wins in those 13 games if they were healthy. Because they lost a bunch of games by five points or less than that. So in a year's time, all these guys are supposed to be better, healthier. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, they all had that first offseason where they got to be completely healthy and work on their games. Yes, it wasn't a long offseason, but they weren't hurt. Didn't have to have any procedures, right? So you're telling me you come back this season and you are only three games better. Your defense has plummeted. Last year wasn't great, but you are historically bad now. Teams are setting records against you on a regular basis. And we used to say this about Alvin, because remember every night I'll be like, well, the other team hit shots and there's good teams over there and they're hitting shots. That was bullshit. And we know it was bullshit because that's coach speak. And you're trying to mm-hmm. protect your team. And yes, Stan is more honest about it. These guys don't have a commitment to defense and he'll say that. But it's the same lack of commitment from last year. It's a different coach. So you change what you wanted. You wanted that's everybody asked for a guy who's gonna be tough-minded, defensive oriented, all those things. Well, you got that. Whether whether you want to say it's if Stan is a good coach or not, you got what you asked for characteristic-wise. And this team has regressed defensively to the point that it's embarrassing. That ain't on coaching. At some point, the players have to be accountable. And JJ Reddick said it, Stan Van Gundy said it, but you don't hear it from your best players. You don't hear it from B.I. You don't hear it from Zion. You don't hear it from Lonzo. You don't hear, we must stop people. You don't hear it. So if you don't hear it, that means they ain't talking about it. And when the coach says these guys are more bothered about the shots they missed than the stops they didn't get, that is all the insight you need to know as to whether or not you have winners or you have losers. And I'm not talking about people in life. I'm talking about athletes and competition. And in competition, you are either willing, as Pat Riley said, there is winning and there is misery. And right now, people should be acting like 15 and 21 is not good enough. It cannot be 
okay because you will never get to where you want to be if that's your attitude. When the Clippers were ready to turn around, they got Blake Griffin. He missed that first year, you know, and then he comes back his rookie year. They started winning because they put winning players around him. Not great players. DeAndre Jordan was, has never been a great player. Right. What you go? You go get Chris Paul. Then you got a leader. Mm-hmm. This team has no leader. This team has no toughness. They don't, they do not. And it's a simple thing that gets said every night by Antonio Daniels. It gets said by David Wesley. And they say it over, it's been said by Nancy Lieberman. They do not make you feel them. And when we talk about that, it is a very literal term. If a defender does not recognize that you are in his space, if, if, if an, I mean, your offensive players don't feel a defender in their space, if they don't feel like I got to move my body a little differently to catch this pass, I have to, or I have to be more physical with my, with my movements to try to get open. If they don't feel like they have to do anything other than put the ball on the ground and get past you, then you have do- not done your job. And every night teams are shooting the ball as if the Pelicans are not standing there. Non-existent not even encumbered in any shape, form, nor fashion with anything, okay? Dave, we, it's literally like a broken record. I know people have to be tired of us saying it because we're tired, or should I say, they have to be tired of us of hearing it because we're tired of saying it. You don't defend on a strength. If you don't make guys you and I've talked about this for the longest being an offensive scorer the thing I hated the most was somebody in my space aggravating the daylights out for me when I come off of a screen some guy who's 6'9 steps in front of me and just bumps me for no reason to mess with my head to get me off track they don't do that nobody is making up anything to downrate or downgrade these guys like you alluded to it's nothing personal but from a basketball standpoint, if you don't if you don't display the things that are necessary to win games, you're not going to win. And if you don't do the sacrificial things that are necessary to do them over a long haul, that's just like you could have some people right now listening also saying, well, you know, after the All-Star break, miss me with all that. They don't have that kind of switch. They're not built that way. They're not designed that way because they have shown you that's not who they are. What makes you think the other teams with the great superstars and those other teams that actually are committed to defense, you think Utah's all of a sudden just going to drop off? You think Phoenix is all of a sudden going to drop off? Even the Lakers without a, without a, you think these higher echelon teams are going to say, oh, it's all-star break. We can take a break after this. No, the same way people think that the Pelicans can flip a switch and all of a sudden turn it on. And this is a losing mindset. What do you think winning mindset is going to do? Winning mindset goes up into steroid mode and go, let's finish this and let's do what we started. If you think the Phoenix Suns don't really believe they have a legitimate chance to compete for a championship now, it's the mindset, it's the attitude. Phoenix really believed that now all of a sudden they were like, you know what, guys? We knew we'd be a playoff basketball team, but hell, we're second right now. Hey, man, man. Ask, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you this real quick. Was, is Phoenix one of the best offenses in NBA? Hell no. They're, they actually have one of the slowest paces in the NBA. 
But you know what they got? Defense. They got Quijones. They got Quijones. You got also a bunch of guys on that team who you see like playing with each other. Devin Booker. You can see Devin Booker like, man, I know all I got to do is get anywhere on this floor, and that dude, CP3, is going to get me the ball. Everybody on this team knows get, get booked the ball and book them. They have a different air about them. The Utah Jazz. Denver is going to ramp up again. Portland has been doing this without Dame, uh, uh, without C.J. McCollum. You look at the East. You got the New York Knicks. The freaking Knicks. The Knicks are relevant. And first what are the year Knicks, head coach. The Knicks number two in the league in defense, right? First would year you, head would you coach. Say, would you say the Knicks have more talent than the Pelicans? Nowhere as near the talent that the Pelicans have. Nowhere as near. Are the, Pel- are, are the Knicks really young? Extremely young, with some pieces of veterans here in Julius Randle, who the Pelicans had, is also making his first All-Star game appearance. So let's look at the Spurs. Spurs 18 and 16. I mean, yeah. 18 and 14. Spurs aren't – tell me their talent. Tell me – they got any guys that, all go, that would be All-Stars? <laughs> Even with LaMarcus Aldridge possibly no longer being there. Rudy Gabe was past his prime five years ago. Rudy Gay, DeJounte Murray, uh, uh, DeMar DeRozan. You've got guys. People don't even know the player's name for San Antonio. Well, what are they committed to? Playing together. Playing together and defending. Leadership. Accepting their roles. Nobody does what they can't do. Nobody goes out there and does what they can't do. Have you ever heard Greg Popovich or anybody in the San Antonio Spurs organization say, well, you know, we're going to do some rebuilding. You know, it's going to take a process. For us. What? Dude, if that's how you feel, and this is just me, if that's how you feel, I don't want to be on your team. Because, look, I can't even win. in the bubble, Spurs got into the bubble. Win. Yeah, they missed the playoffs last year. Spurs went in the bubble. Popovich went down there with not all of his guys and on the fly decides we're going to play small ball, put DeRozan at the four. And we're going to play small. And they were competitive. They beat the Pelicans' ass. And was they were one away from advancing to the playoffs. If you speak losing, that's because you are a loser. It's just that simple. And we're not talking about these young cats personally. We're talking about their demeanor on the basketball court is all. That's all that we're referring to. And they've been set up to lose. And that's great that they are good individuals off the court. That's fantastic. But you know what? I don't know anybody who would tell you differently that would say, I would rather a team full of assholes that win as opposed to a team full of nice guys that consistently get your ass beat. Give me a group of assholes that I know I can go in the foxhole with who we're going to fight and we're going to compete every single night. Bruh, I'm with you. Let's go. You got players in Golden State that didn't play there before. From the Ubres to, you know, to, 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 to uh, Wiseman. You know, I mean, bruh. And you're 19 and 18. You're in ninth place. All right. The Dallas Mavericks, 18 and 16. Memphis, 16 and 16. Everybody the Warriors, else. The Warriors, 19 and 18. They started off so bad, and people were like, "This, it's over. Step is done. These Break guys it up. never do anything again. Break it up. Yes, yes. Okay, Dave. 
I just, I, I, I just cannot do it. They're exhausted. You even have a team like Chicago who's competing at a very high level with Zach Levine. All right. Toronto. Remember, I think Toronto started off what, like 0 and 5, 0 and 6, something like that, 0 and 7. Toronto is now 17 and 19. Those Charlotte Hornets are 17 and 18. Bro, you got first year player on that team. We all know are that's the Hornets ball. Young? Are the Hornets young? Are they young? Are they young? Are they young? Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball. Terry Rozier is the bet. Terry <laughs> Rozier is the bet on that team. <laughs> Dang. Because Miles on, Bridges in what? Year, year three? Year, Miles Bridges year, year three. three. Miles Bridges is year three. Melo yes. year one. Yes. P.J. Washington is in year two. Gordon Hayward, first year playing with that team. And coming off of a year where everybody was like, there's no way Gordon Hayward's worth $30 million. There's no way you should be taking this dude on. He comes out and he's giving them 22 a night. Terry Rozier this, is, like you said, you need an asshole. Terry Rozier is an asshole. This is and the dude, most competitive. The most competitive the Hornets have been since, since Al Jefferson was, was doing stuff for them. When they got to the first round and lost to the Heat. Remember that? that was, the and Hornets, that's like, to me, and I'm pretty sure just like you, the Hornets have become must-see TV because of LaMelo Ball. Like, and because they see. all, they all, again, those are dudes who you see up off the bench for each other. Every one of these teams that you're talking about, every one of them, all these young teams that you're talking about, is because these dudes play for each other. They play for each other. And, that's a, and you can say that's a, a hokey thing, but the reason that the Hawks – had to fire uh, Lloyd Pierce and Lloyd Pierce is not again the coach took it for the players because that's on the Hawks and Nate McMillan said that to them when he took the job he said Lloyd took the bullet for you because you're not living up to what you're supposed to be doing all Mm -hmm. this talent that you supposedly got accountability and have they not followed a similar model to what the Pelicans have tried Right? Yes, they have. All these young dudes, John Collins, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, who is a very, all of them very good individual players. Yes. But they're no better because they are not a team. Because Trey Young also plays for himself. He doesn't play for the team. He plays for himself. Bro. Yo, the Wizards have won seven of their last ten. Last ten. They're seven and three in their last 10. They're 14 and 20. So the Wizards. Half a game behind the, they, they actually, they're ahead of the Pelicans because the Pelicans have 21 losses. So they're right. The Wizards, who were a joke two weeks ago, people talk about <laughs> they ain't going to do nothing. They might. Nothing. They, and here they go. They won seven out of the last 10. And yeah. the people that they beat, they beat the Clippers last night. They beat the Clippers last night. Come on, man. They beat the Nuggets. They this. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets in the last couple of weeks. They beat the they beat Portland. They, <laughs> they beat the Nuggets twice. They swept the season series with the Nuggets. You know what's funny is that people listening to the podcast can hear that you and I are more angrier than anybody on the Pelicans basketball team. <laughs> You and I are ready to go to war more than what they are. 
There's the a Cavs, problem with that. The Cavs have 35 centers, and they still are only a half game and behind the Pelicans. 14 and 22. Okay, remember the stretch where the Milwaukee Bucks lost five games and like, oh my gosh, the world is coming to an end. The Bucks are no longer. They're 22 and 14. And what Giannis kept on saying, not worried about this. I'm going to get this right. I'm going to get us right. When have you heard anybody on the Pelicans team step up and say, we're going to correct this? Not hopefully we get this right. We're working on it. No, we must and we are going to improve it now. Do you see, you know, we could, we could I'm going to just say this. Stan has said it. He said, "If you expect something different in the second half of the season, unless the, unless this team plays defense, you're you're wrong." He said, "That's the coach." He said, "Unless they decide to play defense, you're not going to get a different result second half of the season. In fact, it'd probably be worse." Now, because- let me add to that because I can hear it in my mind. I've heard parents ask the question when I was coaching in high school, when I was coaching in college and being around this league for as long as I have. So if your coach is saying, if your players aren't committed to playing defense, what can you do as a coach to have them buy in? What can you do as a coach or a coaching staff to get them to understand this? There's only a certain amount of hours in the day and level of consciousness that one can have as a coach to keep reiterating the same point. Either as a player, you get it and you buy into it, or you don't. There's only so much as a coach you can do. You can rant, you can rave, you can yell, you can scream, but if players don't take the onus on themselves and if they don't hold other guys on the team accountable, you will continue to get the same product. This is beyond coaching. We know who Stan Van Gundy is. You know what he wants to be. You've heard players when he first got there, like the J.J. Reddick, tell you who Stan Van Gundy is. As a player, you have got to decide and commit to say, listen, I am tired of getting my ass beat. I'm sick of it. I can't do this anymore. So either we're going to change this right now because these other teams that are in front of us, they aren't taking a step back. They're going to come back after all-star break, even hungrier than what the hell they were before. If you cannot buy in, commit, take the onus on yourself and hold your teammates accountable, this is what you're going to have. It's and just let, that simple. And, and quite frankly, this, I'm, I'm going to run down the list of the first 10 games after the break. Minnesota, Cleveland, Clippers, Portland, Portland, Denver, Lakers, Denver, Dallas, Boston. Pelicans could go one and nine in that stretch. That, it's, it's entirely possible they go one and nine in that stretch because they should beat Minnesota. You should beat Minnesota. There ain't no guarantee because the Pelicans have already lost to Minnesota. But it ain't no Being guarantee. Being the Pelicans who they are, right? right? But you're playing a back-to-back. Cleveland comes into town. Cleveland's got guards that get to the rim. 
Cleveland's got active bigs. So they could be and their you've problem. Seen, and you've seen Colin Sexton start to take that next step up. And you'll see and somebody's going to have to catch up with Kevin Love while he's out there. Somebody's going to have to okay. catch up with, with JaVale McGee, who's being active as, as he can be this year. So you're going to do all that. Then you're going to get the Clippers at home. Clippers ain't coming in here to lose. Because they have to ramp it up as well because they understand it's a very – Two games and three nights at Portland, Mm -hmm. at Denver, which is never easy for anybody to go to Denver. And And with the Lakers coming to town. Then you get the Lakers in town. And the Lakers – AD should probably be back by then. Mm -hmm. But even if he's not, the Lakers have a focus. They know they need to be a top two seed. They don't want the Clippers to pass them in the standings. So they mm-hmm. are motivated in that fact. So then you get Denver at home again. Then you get Dallas, who wants to, who certainly wants to make a push. And then you're at Boston, which is now Boston is has kind of corrected themselves and has been much better over the last week or so. And Jason Tatum has taken it up another notch. So okay. you got wing guys in Tatum. You know, every one of these teams has scorers, multiple. And you and the Pelicans create other scores. You know, people can say, well, this guy doesn't do this and this guy doesn't do that. But if I'm a if I'm an NBA player and you give me good looks, no matter what my shooting percentage you think it is coming into that game, I could be 31% from three. I could be mm-hmm. 25% from three. But if all night I'm getting clean looks, baby, I'm gonna make some of those. Yeah. So you make average players good players because they get confidence because they get time to set their feet. The driving lanes are there to go to the rim. You see the ball actually going through the hoop. And now I'm a contributor. I am not a participant. I am a contributor. And you turn guys who are supposed to just be, hey, man, you're supposed to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You don't let Kelly Olynyk drop a 13 on you in the first half. You don't do it and go four for <laughs> four from three in the first. And, and do you don't do it. Not when you know the rest of that group is limited in what they can do off the dribble. You stay with the shooters, man. You got to stay with it. And they consistently make bad basketball decisions. And they don't. I have not seen Brandon Ingram dig in as a defender once this year. I have not seen, and even since he said he was going to bust everybody in front of him, his fourth quarters are still some of the worst in the NBA. So who is, who is going, like if you, no one is going to seize control of the situation and say, we're not going to lose anymore. I can't stand this. We are not losing anymore. You're going to lose some games, but I'm saying the mindset. Go in exactly. Exactly. Go Who in, with in the, the locker attitude. room is going to do that. Who on the court is going to do that? Until it's Zion Williamson, until it's him, and if it ever is, Pelicans will be what they are, and that's a mediocre basketball team. And David Griffin is giving them no help in the way he's constructed this roster. You know, after the Utah game, I'm not going to lie, and then after the little four-game win streak that they had, I was really looking forward to going high-low on Harden to paint. I really was looking forward to it. I, I, I was really like, 
yeah, okay, this, this, this feels nice. Like, you see them somewhat more engaged, even though they lost to Milwaukee prior to that, and they lost to the Spurs prior to that. They beat Boston, and they beat Detroit. But then I started looking back at things, and I'm like, hold on. That was early on in February when they beat Phoenix, Indiana, Memphis, and Houston. But then after that, you see the loss to Chicago, to Dallas, where they gave up 143. You gave up 123 to the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons, okay? 117 to the Spurs. 117 to the Spurs. You give up 124 to Portland. You give up 132 to Phoenix. So then, all of a sudden, after the Utah game, D-Grub, you give up 128 to Chicago, and then you have Miami hold you to 93, and they put up 103, which is a perfect Miami Heat game because that tells you how much they depend upon their defense. And literally, Wednesday, I'm like, I'm not ready to do the podcast. I'm not. And then last night, I'm really agitated when Miami was up by 20-plus early on in the game, and I'm just like, you just put up 129 on Utah. Even though you gave up 15 in the first quarter against Miami, 15 at home. And you had the night off. You you did. You're not playing back to backs. You're at home. You had the night off. So you you can't say you don't have rest and you can say, well, we playing without Zion. So they playing without Bam. This is the NBA. And I literally went to sleep last night with a bad taste in my mouth, man. I'm like, here it is. I'm ready to say that the Pelicans have shown us some good things, not consistently, but they've shown some glimpses of stuff. And this is what a lot of people and fans don't realize. Showing glimpses doesn't win your games either. That's great every now and again that you've done some good things. But if doing the good things are not the bulk of what you do, you lose. And here we are again, bothered, disrupted, disturbed by what the product is that is on the floor. And listen, you can't get mad at Dino Hanson. You can't get mad at Dave Grubb because we're talking to you about what is being exemplified. We're not making this up. It's being shown to us and we are speaking on it and saying These are the deficiencies. So you also will have fans say, well, how do you fix it? Individuals have to take it upon themselves is how you fix it. That's it. If you don't take the onus and if guys aren't held accountable, you will continue to get the same product that you are seeing. It's just that simple. They are less than the sum of their parts. And it's that simple. And until they find some maturity, some willingness to compete, like, and, and I don't think that's something you have to, you have to hate losing. You do. You have to hate losing more than you like winning. You With every to. fiber in your core, you have to despise losing. And, and it people, has to tear apart. It has to be like an ulcer, if you will. That it tears apart out of your stomach every time you get your ass beat. And when I talked to, to Jamel McMillan earlier this week, 
he brought up Rondo like you did. And Rondo hates losing. Like, <laughs> if you ever meet a guy who hates losing, it's Rashawn Rondo. And you see it. You've seen it in his play. And, and one of the stories he told me was like they had just played a game. And they go to the Cheesecake Factory after because that was all that was open. And Rondo's got his family there with him. And Rondo's head never comes up from his laptop because he's watching film at dinner with his family. His family's all around. People who came from to see him play. Like 10 people at the table. He never picks his head up from his laptop because he's watching film. That's and why he's I love sending it. those clips that he identifies and he was sending them to AD. His he was sending them to Drew. And he's sending them to Boogie. And, this is why I'm... and even when it was at its worst, and Rondo and Boogie were not friends during that time. He was still leading. He was still leading. It was Rondo when Boogie came off the court who would tell him, sit your ass down. We're going to be all right. This is what we got to do. Players, we talk about being uncomfortable in making other people uncomfortable as a defender or whatever, you yourself to be a champion have to make yourself uncomfortable in your habits, in your production, in what you do, your routine has to be uncomfortable because you are used to doing things a certain way, but the results are not panning out. You can have all the great individual talent you have, but there's a difference between playing basketball and playing winning basketball. And this team does not know the difference. <laughs> I don't, I can't even, and you know, I've always loved Rajon Rondo, bro. You know, that's my guy. But here's the other thing. His family who was sitting there at the table with him, they're also winners because they know Rajon Rondo and what Doe does. That's the reason why they wouldn't question him or tell him anything because they know who his DNA and what his makeup is. Do not disrupt me when I'm working. And I mean it. Dave, we talked about this before as well. To be a champion doesn't mean you're liked by every freaking body. I don't care if you like me, but you're going to respect me and we're going to win. That's what matters at the end of the day. Are we winning? Now, if my processes of being a hard ass and being difficult and holding players accountable doesn't yield to us winning, but I need to change my methodology of how this works. But I know what it takes to win. I know how to win, and I'm going to pass this on to you. So either you get on this wagon with me or you get off my shit. It's plain and simple. It's just that simple. Man, let's talk about something fun for these last few minutes real quickly, man. Right. Who's your MVP right now in the league? Honestly, if you ask me, yeah. it's Chris Paul. If you're and talking you see, about impact from one yes. season to over the course of this season, and we're talking about value, there's no – and last year I told you he was in my top five last year. He was mine also. And so this year I'm saying he's number one. If, and you, I don't care what his stats look like. I, don't, I do not care what his stats look like. I don't care if he scores 16 in addition seven. I'm – value his guidance on that floor there his are two impact things. to his teammates yes so if you take him people like to do this shit and say well if you take him off this team was in this case there if you take him off that son's team the sons are setting 
The Suns are dusk. You took okay? the Suns are the second best team in the NBA. <laughs> With Chris Paul there the first year. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and they ain't playing with pace. All right? They ain't playing with pace. But they're Second top five worst. in offensive efficiency and top five in defensive efficiency. You heard what you said? Efficiency. Efficiency where it matters the Not points. most. They ain't top five in points. <laughs> but they are top five in points allowed. <laughs> they only allow 103 points a game. Yeah, brother. So yeah, to me, brother. it's Chris Paul. You give me Chris Paul. Bruh, I get so sick of hearing people, oh, well, look at Joel Embiid's numbers. Look at LeBron's numbers. And I'm like, people, people, look, the MVP should be considered the impact a player is having on their team. Nobody expected Phoenix to be number two at the all-star break. You expected them to be competing at a high level. You expected them maybe to be five, six, seven range. You knew they weren't going to be eighth or ninth trying to get into the playoffs because they showed you what they could be. But we talked about this. The buy-in from Devin Booker, who is your star and believing in Monty Williams, and Monty Williams also being able to control them and getting them to buy into this. Think about it. Devin Booker would normally be happy to put up 30, 40 points, even if they're lost. It didn't matter. But then he got frustrated with that shit as well. Now, all of a sudden, Devin, listen to me. You're going to have your nights where you're going to go ballistic and score your 30. But I'm telling you, if you buy in and if you lead and you listen to CP3 and you put up your 20, your 25 here, you get your assists, you get your rebounds, and you guide us. Defend. And you defend. We're going to get dubs. Because he's not asking any of these guys to be all first-team defense. No. Nope. But he's saying to you, do your job within the concept of our team defense. Slow your guy down. Make it more difficult for him, and we're going to be all right. 24 and 11. And so, 24 and 11. So they Phoenix. can have this all-star break. Take their seven days. And folks just need to get, get prepared to ride this roller coaster again because this is a team that has not had a five-game winning streak in three years. So how do you feel? How do you feel about them having the all-star game? I think it's wrong. I totally think it's wrong. They as got well. all these parties and stuff that they're having in Atlanta. If you just said you don't want people Silver said, I don't want people gathering. You have the all-star game, people gonna gather. There's money to be made. There's you money. have no control. You have no control over people and, money. and what they choose to and do. Money. None. None. You, if he's there to make money, other people are coming to make their own money. They got folks who got T-shirts to sell, clubs to open, par- dinners to have, parties to sell tickets to, all these things. And you can't Chicken wings. There. Come on, man. Come on. Lemon pepper chicken wings to go get. <laughs> to see, you know, hey. Hey. Magic today. So come on, man. Look. Hey, bro. And then Let me tell you something. the whole thing of having these activities on the same night, and you got a dunk contest with three dudes you ain't never heard of, and you got uh, a three-point contest that nobody wants to be in. You got a, and you ain't really having the rookie game. You're just naming people to the game. This is all just 
it's a the players don't want to be there. Want to be there? You just as given well. them their rest because you got them playing every other night the rest of the season. You should have just gave them a week off and said, "Go home and rest. Take care of your body." And let's it's a gear sprint. up. Let's gear up for the second half of this season. And let me tell you something. One of my good friends was best friends with the manager of Magic City. Me having lived in Atlanta, me having gone there to eat the chicken wings, let me tell you something. Chicken wings ain't that great, all right? Just let you know right now. You don't go to Magic City for the chicken wings. You got all the wings in the world. You got wing stop, you got wing dish, you got weed at wings. And my man Jason Tiller, bro, people are going to flock to Atlanta regardless if you bring the show there, they're going to go there. You bring the show there, you're going to go there. It's a fact of what it is. Everybody knows what Atlanta is about. Everybody knows. All right? It's that party. It's just that simple. So with that being said, now you're opening yourself up to the all sorts. Getting infected. To yeah, Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. Brother, we're going to do this again next week because we'll have plenty. Well, yeah, we're back, back now. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're, so, back now. we're back now. But, yeah, so we I think we put a bow on this first half. But we're going to continue. And, and we're going to continue to be honest as we can with y'all because, look, as, as Dino said at the beginning, I my goal and, your, and his goal, we are not here to – I'm not PR for the Pelicans. But what I am PR for is basketball. I love basketball. And, and I, we love our home city. We yes. love our home city and our team. And, and, I, and, I see the, and I respect the fans and I respect the game too much. To we want to see them be successful. To lie we to you. See I'm not going to blow any smoke up your ass about your team. And I'm not – if they were playing great, I would tell you they're playing great. We'd if, be championing them. Yes. But when they are doing these things and they are showing you this lack of effort, then I'm going to be honest with you. And that's all that's – all, that's my promise – that's my promise every time I get on the mic. And with them showing the lack of effort that they do, the fans should be upset and outraged because you're not giving us a product that is worthy to speak about in a fantastic light because nobody wants to champion them more than what we do. We want to be the biggest champions of them, but give us something to champion. Give us something. How about this real quickly too? I guess we're really seeing just how important having a number two is for LeBron James as well, huh? Yeah, I'm leaving it at that. Uh, <laughs> I'm leaving it at that. Because, uh, you know, because you know, I mean, according to the world, he is that guy. And let me tell you something. LeBron has been playing fantastically, yes. Never right. denied that. Never questioned his talent. I have never been that. I have never said that. My only gripe is he has never been to me that guy that is that Kobe dog. That is that Michael Jordan dog. Because Kobe and Michael Jordan in these situations, if they didn't have their number two guy, guess what? They are still going to will their team to victories, not be three and seven in their last 10. Not with the I team that was built that. for him. Not with the I team have that to say that shit. Him. I have to get that off my chest. So, I, so all that. yes. So we will do this again next week. And we won't have a bunch of games. Obviously, Friday will be the first game back. But we're going to talk to you about what we saw at the All-Star 
game and how this went down. And we're gonna we're gonna preview preview Friday night's game and we're gonna talk about what they got coming up because there's a lot that's gonna happen over the next month, the rest of this month. This 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 is the decider. This month, really, by the end of this month, these ten games to end March. We'll tell you. We'll tell you if this team is, is going to be competitive in the second half or not. It's that simple. Yes, sir. Yes, All sir. Right, brother. Um, My brother. Until the next time, for Dino the Dean Hansen, I am David Grubb. Y'all know how to follow both of us. And if you can't, you look in the link. We'll see y'all the next time on High Low on Hard in the Paint Hard with David Grubb. What's All right, up, man. my brother? Let me go What's get the up, little one brother? from school. Go do um, your thing, man. Holler at me soon. Talk to you, my brother. Appreciate you. All love, my dude. Yes, sir.